helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. The United States of America was designed with a bottom-up power structure. The constitutions of most of our states say that all power is inherent in the people and that they delegate some of their power to the states. The Constitution of the United States not only created what we now call the federal government, but the Tenth Amendment confirms that the powers delegated to it by the states are limited and enumerated, and the first three articles of the Constitution place most of the federal power in the hands of Congress. If those facts are correct, then why do people keep saying that the president is the most powerful man in the world? Simple. We've been brainwashed into believing so. In fact, we've been brainwashed into believing that American power structure is top-down rather than the bottom-up that our framers created. This inversion of the power structure, this theft of rights and authority, is not over. I keep reminding people of the importance of reading and studying the Constitution of the United States. Sometimes I use a quote from John Jay, showing that it will help them prepare to defend and assert their rights. Other times I I point out how important it is to get your information from the original source. You see, there are two ways to get your information, from the horse's mouth or from the other end. Go to the horse's mouth, to the original documents, and you get liberty, freedom, and distributed power. Get your information from the other end, however, and what you get is the destruction of rights, centralized power, and every so often, a rather smelly surprise right in your face. Well, hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we do read and study the Constitution. We do get our information from the horse's mouth, not the smelly other end. And I think you'll find how important that is as we look at more examples today of the the centralization of power, the making of a the, the the trying to make America a top-down structure that it was never designed to be, and some of the 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 dangers and concerns and problems that come with such a view of the American power structure. So let me start with that 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 proof point that power the power structure is supposed to be bottom up. Now, yes, people came to colonies. Now, these colonies were created by the crown. They were created by Great Britain, the government of Great Britain. They were given charters by the government of Great Britain. They were subject to the government of Great Britain. And of course, then the people showed up and they were subjects of Great Britain. And they finally got tired of how Great Britain was treating them. They got tired of how the king was treating them, what the laws of parliament was passing. And the colonies decided to declare themselves independent. We recently celebrated the the 247th anniversary of the release of the document called the Declaration of Independence. That starts out with the words, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. And if you bother to read the document, you'll notice that united is lowercase, right? Because we created 13 independent states. Yes, they were united, but it wasn't a single entity called the United States. We had states. But there's a very interesting statement at the close of this document that I think most people don't pay any attention to. See, the last paragraph reads, 
We, therefore, the representative of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. Even though they were representing the states that they had declared independent, they were acting in the name and by the authority of the people of those colonies. Their, their, their justification, their authority came from the people. We see this in the second paragraph where it says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. See, those words are more familiar, but we don't think about them very often. The only legitimate power government has comes from our consent, meaning all power is inherent in us, we the people. Now, while most of the constitutions of our states recognize this, it seems that we've forgotten this. We act like all power comes out of Washington, D.C., that the states are vassals of Washington, D.C. In fact, if you look up, there's a website. I'll see if I can find it and put it in the, in the show page. Um, it's a list of the departments and agencies in the United States government. And uh, it actually lists all 50 states as departments of the United States. It shows the inverted power structure that these people believe is legally valid. I say believe is legally valid because it's not. The Constitution says so. See, the Constitution says the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. And the Constitution does things like protect individual rights. It also says that laws made, laws of the United States made pursuant to the Constitution are supreme, but only if they're pursuant to the Constitution, meaning a law that's not pursuant to the Constitution is not the supreme law of the land. And well, if you read Alexander Hamilton from Federalist Paper 78, or any one of a number of court, uh, Supreme Court cases, Marbury versus Madison, Ex parte Siebold, uh, Norton v. Shelby County, all of them state that an unconstitutional act, an unconstitutional law, is not a law. It doesn't legally exist, because the structure that was created was bottom up. But you see, then we run into the problem of human nature. See, it's been the experience over my almost 60 years on this earth that uh, human nature leads to laziness. We'd much rather, in general, not have to deal with it. It's just easier to let somebody else deal with it. It's why we so readily hand over things like uh, education and, and health care and, yes, politics to the quote-unquote experts. Because we can't be, we don't want to be deal, dealing with that. But there's another problem to human nature. See, there are people that like to exercise power over others. It's in their nature, and it's a lot easier for them to do so if they can centralize that power into smaller and smaller groups. See, George Washington warned us about this when he wrote his farewell address back in 1796, and he talked about the, the draw to faction, or what we would now call, say, political party. And, and he mentioned in there that it, it leads to a, a form of, of formal and permanent despotism. He goes on to say, the disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual. And sooner or later, that, uh, that chief of some prevailing faction, more able or more fortunate than his competitors, 
turns this disposition to the purpose of his own elevation on the ruins of public liberty. In other words, the more we centralize power, whether we do it by, by putting our dependence in political parties or factions or other institutions or organizations, we, we encourage, we, we, we not only create this despotism, but there's an urge to find somebody to fix the problem. We just need somebody that will fix the problem. We see this pretty much every presidential election cycle, where we decide that this person is the only one that can save the republic. This person's the only one that can save the union, or as some people put it, the only one who can save our democracy. We're not a democracy, but that's a, a, a discussion for another time. See, we keep trying to centralize power because we've been convinced if we, elect, if we get the right person in that centralized power, everything will be perfect. Forgetting two things. Power corrupts, and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely. Meaning, no matter how good the person is, it takes a lot of effort to not be corrupted as you ascend the ladders of power. But there's another problem with that as well. You see, as we hand over the power to make decisions to others, we are enslaving ourselves to them. I know, we don't like to use that word, but it's the best one I can describe. I can use to describe this. We all know the saying, he who pays the piper calls the tune. Well, he, you give the, he or she, you give the authority to make the decision. You have to live with it. And by removing the distribution of power, you allow these centralized powers, A, to affect a lot more people. Now, the good news is when they get something right, it affects a lot more people. The problem is more often than not, they get things wrong and it harms that many more people. And because you don't have the distribution of power, you don't have the ability to try different things. I mean, just take a look at the world around us today. Take a look at our country. States are trying different things. And people are deciding with their feet which ones they prefer. California, New York, they're becoming much more Marxist totalitarians. And people are leaving. Places like Florida, Texas, and yes, my own Tennessee, well, they're trying to be more independent and free, and people are flocking here. But there's another unique twist, especially to this day and age. We live in an information age, an age where not only is information readily available across the globe, but information that agrees with us is readily available and filtered for us, so we can decide to only listen to what we have, which means we, in effect, centralize not only our power to decide what we want to listen to, to a, 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 a fishbowl, a, an echo chamber, whatever euphemism you wish to use. We end up listening only to the people we agree with. And that centralization of information, the, the lack of willingness to be exposed to ideas we disagree with, is in itself a frightful despotism. Because how can you know the truth if you never test your theories against contrary information? Uh, again, that's human nature. We don't, like to, we don't like to be wrong. We don't even like to think that we might be wrong. And this centralization of power, the, the, the centralization of information, is a very interesting phenomenon. Because in many ways, well, it means the American people act like God. 
I decide what is right and wrong. I decide what information will be accepted and won't based on whether or not it fits my preconceived notion. And if you think about it, the deciding what is right and wrong, isn't that the original sin? Don't you go back all the way to the Garden of Eden. What do you have? You have Eve saying, ooh, you mean I get to to know right and wrong? I get to decide right and wrong, depending on some interpretations of the of the Hebrew language. Then I'll take it was that temptation that I think that as I understand led Eve to take the bite of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and then hand it off to her husband. The desire to decide for yourself what is right and what is wrong. Now that's bad enough. But with centralized power, people who are deciding for themselves what is right and what is wrong then feel the authority, the legitimacy, the as, as if it's their duty to impose their understanding of right and wrong on others. Again, we've got 50 different states, and California thinks what they're doing is right. New York thinks what they're doing is right. Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Michigan, Illinois, Wyoming, they are all doing what they think is right. But if they're not allowed to be challenged, if they're not allowed to have other, uh, you know, these, these contrary inf- uh, uh, methods of doing things, these contrary ideas, to uh, have them looked at, to have your, con- your, your assumptions challenged and allow people to decide, I don't like that, I'd like something else. Well, then that totalitarian mindset comes in. And what you end up with is, you end up with the uniparty, you end up with a central, every, centralized control where everything is decided in Washington, D.C., even if it has no legal authority in Washington, D.C. to begin with. And you end up with a level of arrogance, not simply at the political level, not in the, our, our politicians and our pundits, but in everyday Americans to believe that they have the right, the authority to impose their will on their neighbors. And we've seen this for years. In my case, I've seen it for decades. I didn't always recognize it, but as I look back, I see it now. But as I've watched over the years, the not only the politicians uh, attempting to assume power, but to actually have the everyday American uh, citizen voluntarily hand over power to a government actor, I kind of have to wonder What's happened to freedom and liberty and local control in America? I expect the politicians, which are generally people who are drawn to power, I expect them to try to accumulate power. The part that bothers me, the part that I I, I don't want to say what it surprises me, but the part that truly bothers me is to watch the American citizen voluntarily handing over control of their lives control of their families, control of their children to a centralized, top-down, authoritarian system. Now, I want to get into some examples of that, but I have to take a break first. Before I go, please head to constitutionstudy.com. Find out, you can find read all my articles, find my videos and, and, and other process. Hey, you can ask a question. I am still looking for people to ask questions for my Q&A segment here on the Constitution Studies. Just go to constitutionstudy.com, 
click the ask a question button at the top, fill out the form, check the boxes that you want me to answer on the radio. I'll be more than happy to do that here. I also hope you'll check out the Patriots program, constitutionstudy.com slash Patriots. It's the program I'm putting together to help other organizations well, learn from the horse's mouth rather than from the horse's other end. You can find out more there at the website, constitutionstudy.com slash Patriots. And if you can help support the work that we're doing, that'd be greatly appreciated, whether it's done by sharing this information, buying a couple of books, or just being donating to the cause. It helps offset the cost of all the work that we're doing here. Now, something else I use is, you know, I don't know about you, I, I get to the end of the day some days, I've been really busy lately, and I just run out of steam. You know, I'm, I'm working on videos and radio programs, and, and the mind just starts getting fuzzy. Well, that's when I reach for uh, something to boost my short-term focus and my long-term brain power. And what do I use? I use Healthy Cells Focus and Recall Vitamins. They come in an easy-to-use travel-ready gel pack, and it works wonders. I take one, takes about 10, 15 minutes, and the mind is clear, and I'm off to work again. Now, since you are an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order of Focus and Recall or anything from Healthy Cell. All you have to do is use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So please, go to HealthyCell.com, check out all their great products. Yes, I'm talking about Focus and Recall today, but they've got a lot of great products. Put them in your cart, but when you check out, use the code OUTLOUD. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Welcome 
Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution segment today. I'm talking about losing local control in, in, in America. Now, I published an article today talking about the 303 creative uh, case. If you're not familiar, this is the case uh, filed by, uh, I think it was Ms. Lori Smith, claiming that the state of Colorado, if she were to start designing websites for weddings, they would force her to communicate a message she doesn't want. And the Supreme Court said that was a violation of the First Amendment. It's not. It's, it's the right answer, but for the wrong reasons. And I'll put a link to the, uh, to the article in the, in the show page when it, when it publishes on the website. But for today's discussion, here's the point I want to make. See, I, I looked at the opinion of the court, and I looked into some of the details. And, and, and here's problem number one. So uh, Ms. Smith, immediately, you know, when, when she decided she was going to start this business, she filed a, a lawsuit in federal district court, and she asked for an injunction from the federal district court uh, to prevent the state from trying to force her to speak the state's message rather than a, a message, by the way, she uh, disagrees with. Now, the first problem I note is this cannot be a First Amendment issue because the First Amendment reads, Congress shall make no law. This is not a law of Congress. Therefore, how can it be a violation of an amendment that says Congress shall make no law? What I did notice is it's actually a violation of the Colorado Constitution, which says no law sh shall be passed impairing the freedom of speech. Every person shall be free to speak, write, or publish whatever he will on any subject, being responsible for all abuse of that liberty. Where this fits in here is this should have been dealt with in Colorado. Now, if Colorado, if the Colorado courts had refused to protect Ms. Smith's rights under the 14th Amendment, then it would have become a, become a federal issue. See, the 14th Amendment says, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. But we kind of skipped the state level. She went right to federal court, because that's kind of the way we've been brainwashed. We've been indoctrinated that every infringement of freedom of speech, press, religion is automatically a First Amendment issue. Therefore, we must jump right into federal court. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. What we fail to realize is that means that we've disempowered the states to have dealt with this. Maybe Colorado would have dealt with this properly. Now, I admit, Colorado doesn't exactly have a history of recognizing religious rights, freedom of uh, of expression, they're not really good at it. But if we don't give them a chance, if we don't give them a chance to fix the problem, if we make everything a federal issue, well, then we remove local control from everything. See, now it's no longer the decision of um, of a state court. It's now the decision of nine high priests in black robes. Now, thankfully, these high priests and black robes came to what I believe, and I show in my article, is the correct answer. They came to the correct, the correct opinion. They just got to it the wrong way. In other words, they, they, they gave Miss Smith the justice she deserved. They just came to it by, you know, by a convoluted argument. It, if you remember in high school, right, you'd, you would have to show your work. It wasn't good enough just to get the right answer. You had to show your work. That was so the 
the teacher could look at it and say, okay, maybe you got the right answer, but your understanding of how to get there is wrong. That's what we need to teach. That's kind of what the Supreme Court did. Of course, they do this all the time. So that's not my point. My point is, if we make, if everything suddenly becomes a federal case, then we empower the federal government even more than it already is. And, and I can't really blame the federal courts for doing this. Ms. Smith and her attorneys took this to federal court. They didn't give Colorado a chance to fix its mess, to learn from previous examples. They went right to federal court. Now, that's not the only, there's several court issues that, that we need to look at. And let me take a look at a couple of news items while I'm at it. So I've, you may have heard, I've talked about it briefly, that uh, a federal judge has issued an order preventing many, many, many agencies, federal agencies, from con contacting social media companies with the intent to um, control, influence their, their decisions about censoring posts, accounts, anything like that, right? So the, the, the judge, this is dealing with the, the, the Louisiana, Missouri versus Biden. Uh, they're suing, these two states are suing the Biden and, and his administration for censorship through, local, uh, through social media. The judge has issued an, an order saying no, from, at, from this point on, until, at least until the end of the case, um, the, the Biden administration is prohibited from and several members of the administration, several members of these agencies are specifically prohibited from contacting social media for the purpose of um, trying to get content pulled, trying to modify their their censorship policies, trying to get accounts shut down, prevented. Now, the Biden administration plans to appeal this order. That's perfectly legitimate. If the Biden administration thinks this judge got it wrong. They have every right to appeal this. Um, it's kind of way the separation of powers works. So the the Biden administration now is what is the Biden administration correct that they have the power to do through social media what the First Amendment prevents them? In other words, the Congress has not passed a law that said that that um, the administration can. Uh, work with social media companies to censure censor the press of Americans. There's no law that says they can do that, but they're doing it anyway. Any law that that said that, that the administration could do such would be a violation of the First Amendment, so there cannot be a law that allows them to do this. And since uh, censoring speech is not a power delegated to the executive branch, either via the Constitution or via legitimate law from the from Congress, what they're doing is wrong. But that doesn't mean they have they can't ask for an appeal. At least they're asking for an appeal. They're not simply ignoring the judge's order. Now this gets into a little bit of of legal issues. Um, you have what's called a writ of mandamus. It's an, uh, as I understand it, a legal order to a um, a subservient. So in other words, the 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 judge, um, because the president and the and the judiciary, they're two separate branches of government. The judge, the, I think, the judge is on a slightly weak ground when it comes to ordering the president. And and 
all executive powers vested in the president. Um, I think he's in a little weak ground there, right? Because it's a separate branch of government. And let's face it, who's going to enforce the judge's order? The U.S. Marshals. The U.S. Marshals work for the president. But I, I, you know, at least the the the, the they're appealing. They're looking for a higher court ruling. Uh, I'm sorry, court opinion. Even I fall into that sometimes. A higher court opinion that says, did the judge is what the judge doing correct? Did they have the power to do this? There's a lot going on here. But I also want you to recognize that the reason we are in this situation is that so many people have decided not only to use social media but to claim that the government has the authority to tell social media what information can and cannot be distributed by it. And in many cases, the social media companies have willingly complied. In, in, in other words, I haven't seen in the information that's been released, the Twitter files and others, it's not like we've seen the, um, uh, the social media companies pushing back. Uh, you know, none, you know, I don't see evidence of them going, no, we're not going to do that very much. I mean, there is some small pushback in some examples. Not one of them have gone to court and say, hey, why is the federal government trying to pressure us to uh, uh, to censor information from certain people, to declare certain things? But why are they doing that to us? They haven't stood up either. But then again, they've we've centralized that power as well, haven't we? We've centralized this 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 conglomerate we call social media in the hands of just a few facebook twitter youtube google um and now we're dealing with the the after effects now there are other options but in many cases they're small fry they don't have the 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 user base that a these these other companies do so we're trying to coerce them into acting a certain way whether it's to censor or to not censor and we're all trying to do it through this centralized process. I'm kind of curious to see, um, does the Biden administration get a, um, I believe it, it's, it was done at the district level, so now it would be an appeals court to uh, overturn the, uh, to reverse the decision of this district court judge. I have to keep an eye on it. But what we're seeing is all of these fights in and around the federal system because we handed so much of our information and processes over to a handful of companies, and now we want the federal government to decide whether or not information to decide what information can and cannot be communicated, how they how these companies have to treat us, um, because we've we've handed so much power over to over them, over to them. Now compare that with uh, uh, was it Chris Mays. She's the attorney general for the state of Arizona. And uh, she basically is just going to ignore the 303 creative opinion. That's right. She's simply going to ignore an opinion because she doesn't like it. She called the six judges who affirmed that the, a state cannot compel someone to speak a message they or to publish a message they do not like as woefully misguided and simply said she's going to ignore it. In a statement, she said, while my office is still reviewing the decision to determine its effects, I agree with Justice Sonia Sotomayor. The idea that the Constitution gives businesses the right to discriminate is profoundly wrong. Well, go back to my article, and I have a whole, I just look for the heading, dissent, because I talked about that. The uh, dissent from Ms. Sotomayor is laughably stupid. Yes, I said stupid. 
I, I used that from a, a letter from Friedrich bon, or Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, that got quoted in a paper called um, The Theory of Stupidity. You see, even, even look at, at Justice Gorsuch's comment on the dissent. The dissent was for a completely different case. And they simply ignored the stipulated facts of the case, stipulated by, by Ms. Smith and by the state of Colorado, is simply ignored, and they made up a whole other situation to dissent against. And apparently, this misguided attorney general believes it's absolutely proper for uh, the state to compel speech. Now, what's the proper solution to this? Well, I would hope somebody in Arizona would educate this misguided person because, again, her statement, um, she says, despite today's, she says ruling, it's an opinion, Arizona law prohibits discrimination in places of public accommodation, including discrimination because of sexual orientation and gender identity. Except look at the case. See, she's getting her information from the wrong side of the horse. She's listening to Justice Sotomayor, who has it dead wrong. She's not even quoting the facts of the case. She's making up facts of the case. Read the opinion, read the dissent, read my article. She's making it up. And because Ms. Uh, uh, what's her name? Ms. Mays is getting her information from the wrong side of the horse, she's making decisions that are wrong. And it's probably up to the people of, of Arizona to decide, do you really want a, an attorney general walking around with manure on her face, because it's basically what she's doing. Now, if her or her department can come up with an actual legal, a legitimate legal argument why the case is wrong, I'd love her to bring it. Because every argument I've seen from her so far, I'm looking at an article from the New American, is she's arguing a case that does not exist. Again, both the both Ms. Smith of 303 Creative LLC and the state of Colorado stipulated, they agreed, they said, we agree these are facts. We're not going to argue these facts. One was that she serves everybody, regardless of color, creed, sexual orientation, gender identity. She serves everybody. And two, she refuses to make web pages that speak and that, that convey a message she disagrees with, whether it be uh, uh, p violence, atheism, uh, 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 you know, any anything. I forget what the list she had. So the idea that she's discriminating against people because of their sexual orientation is a flat-out lie. But again, if you're getting your news from, say, the big three, I guess it's not the big five now, right? ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, uh, CNN. Then you are getting your information from the, the wrong side of the horse. Don't trust, by the way, what I'm saying. The reason, if you look at my article, I have quotes and I have links to the actual original documents so that you can verify my quotes. Because I always want to be the horse's mouth not the other end. Because I don't want to walk around with horse dung on my face. But too often that's what we've done because rather than dealing with local control and finding out for ourselves, we want other people to do it for us. And that means we are enslaved to whatever agenda they have. Now, if you're listening to this radio program, you're not probably a big fan of, of the big five. 
Maybe you're a fan of, of Fox or some of the other news media, but do you double check them as well? Do you double check me? Or do you simply trust someone else giving up your control of what you know and the information you receive simply because it's easier to let someone else do it? Now, I have to take another break, but I want to remind you, see, here's another example. I'm just one voice on AmericaOutloud.com. The Constitution Study is just one program. There are dozens of other voices, dozens of other points of view, and you can find them all at AmericaOutloud.com. I suggest you go there like I do every day to find out what's going on, but then do your part as well to share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, to share this information is not simply to spread the word about America out loud, although we appreciate that. We secure the blessings of liberty by exposing ourselves and others to differing ideas so that we can figure out what's best. So I hope you'll do your part and become part of the solution rather than part of the problem. AmericaOutloud.com If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. Working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, we're looking at the fact that we've lost control, or we're still losing control, locally in America. 
that, that more and more, especially accelerated over the last few years, we've seen power move farther and farther up the tree away from the people and more towards a centralized control, a much more, we'll call it, say, Soviet or communist control. The idea that fewer and fewer people will be making the decisions for others. Now, I've already talked a bit about the uh, the the, uh, the fact that we, we keep making everything a federal case. And I talked about it with the 303 Creative. Uh, I also talked about how Arizona wants to ignore, or at least the Attorney General wants to ignore that case. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. We, we talked about the um, the judge that issued a, a restraining order preventing the Biden administration, many of the departments and, and its members from contacting uh, social media companies in an attempt to censor. And of course, the Biden administration wants to appeal that. But I want to take a look at a couple of other things now. now the first thing I'm going to look at is California, or as I like to call it, California, because let's face it, it, it it's basically a communist state at this point. Yes, they still have elections, but they keep electing communists to positions of power. So it's effectively a communist state. One of the examples of this is the push now to uh, move education decisions out of the control of the local school districts and back up to or up to the the state government. See, a a state assemblyman, uh, Corey Jackson, uh, has proposed uh, uh, was it called Assembly Bill 1078, and uh, it's supposed to be um, promoting curriculum diversity. Now, I don't, I haven't actually looked at the, I haven't found the language of the bill, so I haven't looked at it yet. But in reading some of the descriptions of it, what they're trying to do is get the state to have more control over the State Department of Education over the curriculum in the local school districts. Now, this shouldn't surprise anybody. We we watched as was a Terry McAuliffe basically lost the governorship of Virginia when he said that uh, the parents shouldn't have anything to say, shouldn't have any say in school what the, what their children are taught in school. So you know, with that idea, you shouldn't be surprised that a, that a state like California is trying to do the same thing. See, they they don't like that local school districts may object to the uh, sexualization of our children, the grooming into different sexual agendas, um, even the grooming into a racist mentality that everything is based on on race. So if you if you you don't want local school districts to be able to do that, well, what do you do? You centralize everything. You bring everything up to, in this case, the state government. And again, the the federal government has tried to do the same thing. They created the, uh, I think it was under Carter, they created the Department of Education, which, again, unconstitutional, illegal, null, void, all of that. But we remember Obama using education funds to try and intimidate states to allow, um, uh, you know, boys into the girls' locker rooms. Anybody else remember that? So that's what happens when you centralize. You, You effectively, in many cases, you destroy dissent. You eliminate the ability of people to dissent because all power is no longer vested in the people. It becomes vested in the bureaucracy, and the bureaucracy decides. A perfect example of that happened throughout COVID-19. The scamdemic. Yes, I call it a scamdemic because they never actually, the, the quote-unquote powers that be, the so-called um, public health officials, never bothered to actually show 
that COVID-19 was a, a major uh, concern to the vast majority of the American people. Yes, there was a demographic, a small subset that were, that were uh, at risk. Uh, it was not the children, by the way. It was the older people and the ill people, especially with respiratory issues or with diabetes. But rather than focusing on the people that actually needed to be protected, they said, no, 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 we've decided that it's, a, it's an emergency. Of course, without that, without that declaration of emergency, you couldn't have the emergency use authorization. We couldn't have warp speed. We couldn't have all the nonsense that came from that. So what do we have now where we have a centralized decision process for, quote unquote, public health? You get this nonsense. I'm sorry. The, the, not only does the CDC not legally exist because it's not a power deal, they've now proven themselves to be idiots. Not all the individuals, but as an entity, they're stupid. So apparently, uh, the, the CDC has given guidance for, um, quote unquote, trans people chest feeding kids. I, I know if you're kind of scratching your head, I scratched my head when I first heard that as well. Now, as I understand it, the idea is you got a dude with a mental problem. He thinks he's a chick. And uh, apparently, maybe he even has surgery. And he, of course, he's got to adopt a child because, well, he can't actually bear a child. And if he's had the surgery, well, doesn't matter. He still can't bear a child. So he's going to adopt a child or he's going to father, go through some other process, non-natural process to end up with a child. And now, notice they don't call it breastfeeding because the dude doesn't have breasts. No, they call it chest feeding. What they're actually doing is the, the, the dude pumps himself full of hormones so he can create milk. Now, here's the question. What does that milk do to the infant? See, they haven't studied what's called hormone-induced lactation. They haven't been widely studied. They don't, we don't know. But you see, we've become such a narcissistic society. Safety of the child becomes secondary to the mentally disturbed issue, the, the issues of the mentally disturbed and their desires rather than of, of the adult rather than caring for the child. But for today's discussion, what do you see here? You see the CDC encouraging males who, quote-unquote, chest feed? Well, to talk to their doctors. There may, there may be issues. And in their discussion, they completely ignore the, what they call their health equity consideration guidance for transgender people. They mention nothing about the risk to the infant. They don't care. It seems to be, at least according to the reports I've read out of, uh, out of the Daily Caller, they're not worried about what happens to the infant. See what I mean about a narcissistic society? We don't care what happens to others. I feel, therefore I get. And if it harms others, well, too darn bad. Let me take a look at another example. Um, how many of you heard of, of book banning? Right? We have... The the was the American Library Association always talks every year they talk about the banned books month and oh my god all these banned books and and how dare people but of course they cannot quote a single book that was actually banned. This is audio from a video clip. Uh, I think her name is Libby Emmons. She's editor in chief of the Post Millennial and Human Events, and she found a couple people on the street that were well they had an opinion and she. Ask them questions and, and let them air their opinions. 
I'm here at Moms for Liberty. I'm outside the convention. There's been a lot of protesters out. I caught up with two moms, uh, one of whom is a grandmom, to hear what they are protesting. Can you tell me a little about, about what you're protesting today? I'm protest protesting the Moms for Liberty group even being here at the Marriott. I was protesting last night when they were down at the Museum for the American Revolution because it gives us, it gives the gives some credibility when they're actually a hate group supporting divisiveness, supporting banning books, supporting harm to trans children or gays and lesbians, and I'm here to protest that. So I find it interesting. Uh, this, by the way, that's that's the first of the two moms she's interviewing saying, I'm protesting, which she has every right to, the fact that they're even allowed to be at a private hotel. I, I find it very interesting. The very people that is, are exercising her right to free speech and free expression wants to deny it to a group because, in her words, they are a, a hate group. But hang on, there, there's some more. How about you? What are you protesting today? Well, I've been hearing more and more about Moms for Liberty, and I think it's very scary given the state of our country right now that they are a growing right-wing group, and they've been named that. And, you know, we have to do all we can to protect democracy, and they're doing everything that's the opposite. You know, they're anti-gay, anti-trans, banning books that are so important for young people to have in their schools. They're going on school boards, even in it, trying to go to school board meetings, even where they're not members of that community. And I really think it's awful that they're here in Philadelphia and that they were able to come here. And um, they're not about anything that we need right now in the United States. So here we have another pro-censorship person. She's more than willing to censor people who disagree with her. And now the uh, uh, was it the, the the interviewer, the journalist, the Ms. Eb Eb Emmons. She's a journalist, and she's acting like a journalist. She is not putting her. She's not putting in comments. She's she's not commenting what they're saying. She's letting them speak and point their point of view, which to me is great because I look at this going, wait a second, you've made a lot of claims. How do I know if that's the horse's mouth or if that's the horse's other end? In other words, uh, you know, she says, well, I've heard, I've read where, where's the facts, where's the evidence that anything that what you're saying is true? Now, I know a little bit about Monster Liberty. I haven't actually uh, uh, interviewed anyone from there. I'd be more than willing to, but most of the stuff I've seen them talking about uh, doesn't line up with what these, these, two, uh, these two ladies are claiming. What are some of the books that they're banning that you think should be in schools? I don't, oh, I don't know any of the titles, but I know there was one book I was reading about. I'm not good at recalling names at this stage, but there's one that where there was just a mention at the very end of the book uh, that Johnny has a, 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 is in a family with two moms, or Sam has a family with two dads, and because of that one line, they wanted the whole book banned, and they they did ban it, and I think I think that's what's. Now you've got children in those classrooms who will have two moms or two dads, and now they don't get to see themselves represented at all in any of the books that they get to read in that school. And I think that's what's wrong. Interesting. She knows they're banning books, but she can't name a single title of a book that was banned, and all she has is some anecdotal thing about some book that had this one line, and 
And by the way, there has not been a single book ban in this country, period. There is nothing that stops the parents of these uh, children from getting them that book, from uh, going to an, a library where they can borrow that book. What we're talking, what, what Moms for Liberty, is, as I understand it from what I've read and, and studied about them so far, what they're concerned with is the promotion of, of, a, of a transgender sexualized nation, a sexualized agenda to small children, to small children. Just, well, see, now you've got, you've got children in these classrooms that may have two dads that won't see themselves in a book. How old are these children? And is it, was it really because of two dads? Or could it be that, like so many of these books, there's actually pornography in the book? See, I have to wonder where these ladies are getting their information because it doesn't seem like it's coming from the horse's mouth. It seems like it's coming from the other end. Now, maybe they're right. And if they have any proof, any evidence, I would listen to it. But that's not what we see. What what we see is a couple of, of and I believe honest ladies, I, I don't think they are themselves making this up, but they're listening to a single source or a single set of sources that are feeding them from the horse's back end, and they don't even know it because they never bothered to check. They never looked in to say when, you know, like the, the Southern Poverty Law Center, she says they've been labeled a right-wing group. By whom? The Southern Poverty Law Center has labeled them a right-wing hate group because they disagree with the Southern Poverty Law Center. Does it mean they're actually a right-wing hate group? See, if we turn over our decision-making, our investigating to others, we are controlled by them. Now, this can go both ways, right? Because I've met plenty of people who um, you know, are, you, you'd call them right-wing, right? And they make similar claims based on no evidence and are ensure they're true. I've had multiple people, you know, even when I point out the evidence that they are wrong, simply refuse to listen because it it messes with their their agenda. And I've got one more thing that pointed out. And this one caught my attention. So we've seen this push for what what's commonly referred to as woke, right? I don't particularly like that word because it doesn't mean anything. Right? Well, there's no definition of it. But we see things like, you know, you've got Anheuser-Busch and the Bud Light debacle. You've got Target. Now Ben and & Jerry's and Unilever have fallen into this. And, and here's what I found interesting. It was an article out of the Daily Caller. And um, it talked about how 9 out of 10 companies in the S&P 500, the largest, most influential 500 com companies, publicly traded companies in the, in the world, um, that of those nine out of 10 of those, their largest shareholder, the largest investor is one of three companies, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. And because of their large investment in these influential companies, they're actually the ones that apparently are promoting this agenda that we commonly call woke. Do you know what I call it? I call it Marxism. That's really what it is. I mean, it's, it's the agenda they have of, of centralized control, uh, you know, uniformity of thought, the crushing of dissent. It is a Marxist control. So think about that. Five of the top 500 companies, nine, nine out of 10 of them, which would be 
450 of those 500 companies are getting their agenda from just three investment firms, all of which are promoting Marxism. Now, these companies are privately owned. They're, they're owned by their shareholders. That is their decision. But you see, I have a decision as well. Do I do business with them? Under what situations and circumstances will I do business with them? It's one of the reasons why I like to look for small, local companies and do business with them. I don't necessarily believe in boycotts. I like to, to spend my money with companies that are less likely to be destructive to my rights. Now, hopefully, you like this look at, at our loss of contr local control in America, and you'll come back and join us here at the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard in the iHeartRadio network. If you can't listen then, that's okay. All the episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can listen in your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor. Subscribe to the show. Rate me on Apple, uh, or leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or any of the platforms. All of that works to help other people find the Constitution study and hear these other points of view. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.com. But as I keep saying, sharing is important. Sharing is caring. Share this information, share this news, and by doing so, you help share the blessings of liberty.